Welcome to the Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm Martin Medeiros, expert negotiator. Unfortunately, the world isn't made to your specifications in all ways at all times, which means you need to be able to communicate your wants and needs so you can get them met. I'm here to teach you the tools and strategies so that you can do exactly that. Stay tuned after the episode for more information about the Fully Outfitted Digital Persuasion Lab or head over to thepersuasionlab.com to get started. Insourcing after outsourcing. On this week's podcast, we're going to talk about what are the upsides and downsides to insourcing after you've outsourced something. What this means is insourcing is when you do it yourself as an organization or a homeowner or whatever. For example, do I clean my house myself or do I outsource it to a cleaning service that comes in? Do I do the same with landscaping? For a company, do I outsource my information technology function because I can't keep up with all the patches and security stuff and help desk? Or do I do it in-house? If I'm a middle market company or maybe a public traded company, do I want to outsource some legal functions or accounting functions, bookkeeping, uh, contract review, these things? We're going to go through questions that apply to all these situations on why this is important. Because one of the things that's happening in the labor market now for the near term and perhaps the long term is there aren't enough workers. Fertility rates are down in most developed countries. We have a constriction in labor after the pandemic. People are less likely to need a job because of benefits that may be tapering off in September. And employers cannot employ people. I have a story. The city contacted me and told me my hedges were too high. So I contacted my landscaper, who usually does this a few times a year. Uh, What's going on? Uh, They didn't have enough workers. They couldn't get enough people to work. So the boss, the owner of this landscaping company is doing the majority of the grass cutting and the hedge clipping uh, and he couldn't have anyone out for weeks and of course I didn't want anyone to get injured or whatever it was a blind spot issue so I went out there and cut the hedge myself and contracted poison ivy it was lovely but at the end of the day labor insourcing outsourcing is a real problem at least in America now and I want to talk about what those considerations are. So here are the questions. And I have approximately seven questions that you want to ask. Do I want to insource? For example, what are the goals to achieve from bringing this back? In my case, uh, ensuring that the hedges are trimmed is something I want to do myself. And the opposite question is, when you're outsourcing, if I have a legal department, for example, and I'm thinking about doing something that I need 
someone else to do, I want to make sure that they have the tools ready. For example, if there are standard clauses I always need in a contract, say I just want to outsource contract review, um, I want them to know here are the deal breakers. These have to be in all of our contracts. If that's coming back in to your staff, do they have that information? Because it is common for the outsourcing company to have more domain expertise when it comes back in. Why? Atrophy. If I've given someone the responsibility for a process or a business function or to deliver a service and now I'm bringing it back in, if I did my contract right, I'm going to have service levels, I'm going to have descriptions, I'm going to have minimum expectations, statements of work, all these things that help them do their job. When I bring it back in, I'm going to have to have the same business processes on the opposite side of that mirror. So what are the goals? What are we shooting for when we insource this thing again? Second thing I want to ask when I insource, what are the core competencies of the function and what do I feel great outsourcing? For example, in my case, I'm not an accountant. Uh, I trust an accounting firm to take care of that. It's fully outsourced. Uh, that is an important function, bookkeeping. An employee does the bookkeeping, so it's and they interface with the external accounting firm. So that's a hybrid model where some of it is in-house, some of it's outside. Now, if I were to hire a chief financial officer and insource that, I would want to have a lot of dialogue with that accounting firm on what they were doing, how they set up the books, what the pattern is of the company for that function. So insourcing is about communications and knowing what the core competency is of your organization. In this case, accounting wasn't the core competency, but if I hire a CFO, that may become a core competency. Third, what are the cross-functional impacts of outsourcing? And I'm taking this, I think I read this in a Forbes article or uh, from another IT company. Basically, I think what they're getting at when they say this is uh, if we insource something, how many different groups in the organization is it going to impact? And that's really important. For example, let's say I have a network security issue and I found a really good team and I bring that on board. What do they need to know? Did they need visibility in finance, loss prevention, um, product development, IT certainly. So if, you know, privacy and security function is coming back in, if I'm insourcing that, I have to know all the pieces that aren't integrated whole, uh, whole, and this is about developing systems. So if you've outsourced a system, when you insource it, you've got to make sure you have that system at the ready with different members of each team representing that discipline for that function because different functions impact different teams and it's nice to say this little module went outside now I'm bringing it back in because maybe that outsourcer can no longer find talent to employ people they're dropping things I feel better 
in control of that. That's an issue. So when we think about this insourcing function, I want to drill down in the finances. Why am I doing this? If it's a finance issue, a lot of people outsource because they cannot do it cost-effectively. You hire someone to maybe save costs because internally I don't want to be bothered with it. It takes too many meetings. It burns clock. Whereas these people, it's all they do. They do one thing. They do it well. They had one job and they did it well. And if they didn't do it well, then I'm going to insource it. Now, if you do insource it, what is that job? Is it done well? And what's the financial impact of insourcing that? Because you will find that outsourcers, think of it almost as like a slot. You know, you put a paper through, they review it, the paper comes back. And that's a very neat and clean relationship. When you have that paper in your own shop, the insourced model, uh, you may people want may want to meet about it, understand it, and have things, and that's an internal discipline problem. A lot of people outsource because they don't have the internal systems and discipline to do it cost effectively, and that's why a lot of these decisions are driven by finance. The second thing they can be driven by is this concept of security. Whenever you give something to someone as a function, you have got to make sure that it's secure if it's financial, personally identifiable information, R&D, development, cutting edge, unpublished intellectual property. These are really important things to think, hey, I think I can do it better internally than externally. Now, when we talk about security, you may think, oh, data security, sure. Well, very few small shops can offer the level of data security of a lot of big cloud providers that have different levels of authentication, that have encryption. So that's part of it. Do I want to really think about that security function? on the information side and can I do it better than people who this is all they do or can I get you know cousin Benny and Uncle Bob who has an IT shop to do it maybe on the come or maybe at a lower rate for me uh, maybe maybe not next thing I want to talk about is physical security uh, premises you have an office you have a building physical security is another piece of security uh, employee theft, all these things that go on that you may want to secure the premises. If you're in retail, of course, there's that issue with um, goods, securing goods. When I insource these functions, and we're talking about security right now, I want to make sure that I build it correctly. For example, if it's physical premises security, there are and this is uh, very, there are a lot of great veterans who are like former Navy, Navy SEALs and whatnot who start these security companies and they really know a lot about perimeter physical security. 
it's worth hiring them for basically, I think, a reasonable rate because these are at the top of, you know, perimeter security uh, people when life and death matters. Uh, They'll give you a plan and you can execute the plan to insource it without a good plan. And if you think, oh, I'll just Google it and read a few articles, that's not real. That's not living it. You generally want a professional who's lived it. Same thing with IT. Before you insource IT, it may be worth spending some resource on the outsource company to give you a plan and negotiate with them. They've got to understand that there are drivers why you're insourcing this. And generally, if you're a smaller firm, uh, you really are going to struggle with maintaining the level of security competence and daily updates, patches, software fixes, you know, reading the uh, current technology, knowing how it can make you deliver your goods and services faster, cheaper, smarter. And people in the IT world, that's all they do. So you have to have critical mass before you insource IT. You probably need you know, something like 70 workstations, maybe close to 100 before you can afford that level of competency. Uh, so before you start thinking, I'm going to insource this, make sure you have a plan on what all the checkboxes are done. And if you did your contracting right, if you've negotiated your outsourcing contracting right, you just, that's a good framework in which to insource. Another thing that's important, I want to talk about insourcing different financial controls. When it comes to audit, it is really important for those operations to be credible. If someone says, oh yeah, we did an internal audit and it came out X, Y, and Z, well, that's awesome. But if you have a third-party professional company doing an audit whose licenses are on the line, say if it's a financial audit, if it's a certified public accounting firm where their license to do their job is on the line, um, has a lot more credibility than something done by the person who can uh, benefit from you know massaging things or having a bias in their favor. And this is true across many disciplines. Uh, even journalism, I love reading headlines where it says, top scientist says, you know, X, Y, Z. It's, you know, a shocking title. And then you read the article and it's like, you know, name of <laughs> newspaper science correspondent. In other words, they're being paid by the person that's reporting their own stuff. So that's more of an advocacy type thing, less credibility than independent peer-reviewed study from Columbia University says this. That's a lot more compelling than our internal science expert says this. So that third-party outside arm's-length transaction of someone doing auditing of a process, royalty, financial, is so much stronger and better for you as a company than insourcing that function if it's a kind of governing regulatory and certainly you know your different ISO SOC requirements have all all this kind of baked into it but for the middle market smaller companies this is important things to know and 
That wraps up today's podcast on when to insource, when to take a function that you trusted someone else with uh, to bring it internally. Again, if you did the contractual negotiation to outsource it, you've got to flip that and make that a systems process guide when you insource that function. So that negotiated deal is the same negotiation you have to have with your own people in your organization. Thank you for listening today. Subscribe to the newsletter. It's awesome. People love it. And have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week in the Persuasion Lab. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't yet, please hit subscribe and leave a review and a rating so other folks can find the podcast. And, of course, the fully outfitted Digital Persuasion Lab is open and ready for all your negotiation experiments. If you head over to thepersuasionlab.com, you'll find tools like strategic plan assessments, deal point checklists, operational considerations, scripts for specific types of negotiations, and access to exclusive personal consultations. The tools and databases are updated monthly, if not weekly, so there's always something new to learn and try. Remember, we communicate our needs to the world using persuasion, influence, and negotiation, and how effective we are at using those techniques determines if, in fact, our needs are met. This is Martin Medeiros in the Persuasion Lab. Thank you for joining us.